0: you guys are ready to hear the word of God today. Anybody ready? How many of you have enjoyed this series on the armor of God? I'm telling you what, man, it's been amazing. And, and, you know, for us that have preached me and Amber and Ron, it's been, it's really humbling because God gives us a privilege and the honor of sharing his word. And, you know, I don't take that lightly. You know, I I try to do my best to, to study. And sometimes when I'm in there studying, I'm like, Lord, you chose me. You chose me to share this powerful message, and it humbles me to know that God trusts us with his word. Amen? And so we've been in this series, and here's what we've talked about so far. We've said, you know what? We've got to be, we, first of all, we're reminded we're in a spiritual war, right? There is a war going on, and it's not an, a war that we see with our physical eyes. It's a spiritual war that we're in, right? We're, we're aware of that. We're also aware that we have an enemy, Right? What's his name? Satan. We're also aware that Satan has a strategy, that every war, there's strategic things going on, that every war there's a strategy. So Satan has a strategy, 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 strategy. What's his strategy? To steal, to kill, and destroy. How does he do that? He does it through deception. Amen? Amen. We also know that to win a war, you got to have the right gear. You got to have a helmet, you got to have a breastplate, you got to have a belt, you got to have the shoes, you got to have a sword. All of those, that's the right gear. And what the right gear does sets you up for success. But can I t- go ahead and tell you and give you some good news? You're already a victor. Come on, somebody. Because Christ finished work on the cross, you're walking from victory, not for it. Amen. So the the weapons that you have, the the gear that you have, they're already powerful. As a matter of fact, we're going to read in a few minutes, they're mighty through God. Amen? And then we have to have the right weapons, which again, we talked about that, and we're going to talk about that sword today, which is a weapon. So we've learned all of these things, and the ultimate outcome is spiritual victory in battle. Because here's 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 the connection, here's the disconnect for some of you. You don't realize how powerful, everything in your arsenal, how powerful it is. And you're not walking in it. And so what happens is you walk through life discouraged, defeated, because you already have it. You just don't realize you do, or you don't walk in it. Does that help anybody? So let's go to our passages here. We've been reading this whole month from Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Now, we've been reading from the New Living. I'm going to read from the NIV Today, and I'll I'll give you a reason why in just a second, but let's read this together. Finally, be strong. Say strong. Strong Strong in the Lord and his mighty mighty power. So whose power is it? It's not yours. It's his. So you're strong in his power, not your own, right? So keep reading. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Everybody say stand. Stand. Stand against the devil's schemes. So notice he's given us insight that the devil has a scheme, he has a strategy, right? He's up to something. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore, put on the armor of God so that when you, on the day the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. You keep seeing this word, don't you? Stand. Stand. You're not retreating. You're not, you're not running. What are you doing? You're standing. Right? There's a posture that you have of not of backing up, right? No, it's a stance. And it's a, it's a positive, confident stance, not on your own ability, but because you have this mighty power that's at work within you. Standing firm then with the belt, of buckled around your, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now this is what we're going to concentrate on today. Take the helmet. Everybody say helmet. helmet. Helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what we want to do is we want to complete this series today by talking about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Now, if you know anything about helmets, I got one right here. Did I mention... Can I, can I mention to you that they're going to be number one in the next poll? Because somebody... Where, where? Dennis, there you are. I'm so sorry, man. They're, they're, they're Bama fans. So uh, I don't know if you guys follow college football, but last night, uh, the mighty have fallen. After like 20 weeks of being number one undefeated, they've finally fallen. And guess who takes their place? But see, here, but if you're a Georgia fan, you have to be real cautious. Yeah. If you live in Atlanta or Georgia, you have to be really, really cautious because you can't brag too much because the moment you do, oh, they lose to a South Carolina or a Kentucky, so, and they play Kentucky this weekend, so anyway. So I'm not bragging, I'm just an excited fan, and I'm cautiously optimistic then maybe things might, after all these years, after 40 years, may turn out good for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's the only one reason. But uh, the other reason is, is these helmets are really important, right? So if you guys have ever done any research about football, you know that concussions and brain injuries are really, really, um, really, they really come to the forefront. All the science has developed, and you know that... There, really it's really a problem. There's people who have actually um, sued the NFL, the NCA, because of their brain injuries from playing football. But we know what this is for, right? What's this helmet for? To protect that brain, right? Because you're getting knocked around, and sometimes there's helmet to helmet contact. And if you ever if you look inside, you know there's padding. To, to actually to absorb the shock of contact and force because I've even heard that when somebody when two people in football collide it's almost like being in a car wreck. Yeah. So it's really important that a that a football player protect their brain, right? Well if you remember back in, in the old in the New Testament where Paul is looking at the Roman soldier and he's looking at their gear then he's going to notice a helmet on their head, right? And he's going to see that there's a, there's a weapon that they used to use called a battle axe. Anybody familiar with a battle axe? Not your wife. I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about an actual weapon. <laughs> You've never called your wife that, I hope. Anyway, it's a weapon that would if, if you didn't have the right gear on, what would happen? It would literally take your head off. And so Roman soldiers would have a helmet on their head, and it would protect all around their neck and even this part. And they would have these colorful things on, and that was actually uh, uh, to their rank, where they were in the army, where their rank was. But it was really important gear, right, to protect their brain, their head, right? And so what I, I want to do is talk to you today about this idea of the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, because here's the connection. The, the enemy is coming at you with deception, that's his war against you. The, the primary war that the enemy wages against you is in your mind, right? And what he's going to do is he's going to attempt to develop some strongholds in your mind. And If you think of what a stronghold is, a very, very thick prison cell. If you think of a prison cell, it's a, it's a, it's a prison and it's got thick walls. And the reason they're there thick walls is to keep you at, in and keep anybody to help you from getting into, right? And so... What we're talking about is, is the enemy's trying to set up these strongholds in your life so that he can get you. Because if he controls control your mind, he's got you. He can control all kinds of stuff, right? He can get everything. And then we understand that the only way a stronghold can be defeated is through the word of God. And so if I had a sword, you'd be able to say, okay, this is my sword. This is my weapon. This is the weapon that I fight this enemy's battle with. It's called the Word of God. As a matter of fact, Paul uh, gives us the picture in, as we read it there in Ephesians 6. But also the author of Hebrews gives us a picture of the Word of God as a sword. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. It says, for the Word of God is what? Say it r- real loud. And... Do you believe that? The Word of God is alive and powerful. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wrote the book. He wrote the Word of God, and he breathes life in anything that he, he encounters, right? And so it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint merit. It exposes our innermost, notice that, our innermost thoughts and desires. And so what happens is when we begin to read the Word, we begin to see a picture of who we really are. Not deception, Right? but who we really are, you follow me. So it's really important to not have, not to be deceived because when you're deceived, you really don't know what's going on. You don't know what you don't know. But if you're being exposed to the truth, then you know who you really are. Does that make sense? We talked a little bit about that when we talked about the bed of truth. And so the enemy is going to play these games with your mind. He's going to tell, he's going to Tell you stuff that isn't true. He's going to remind you of your past. He's going to say you're not worthy. Or he's going to say, remember when you did this and this and this. And he's going to recall all those things that you've done in your past. And he's going to try to keep you bound up in shame and guilt. That's the mind game that he plays with you, right? As a matter of fact, he wants to control the way you think. Here's how Proverbs says it. It says, be careful how you think. Proverbs 4.23, if they can put that up there for me. Oh, there it is. Ha. Why is it? Okay, I can't see it back there. <laughs> I think it's like this small. <laughs> Be careful how you think your life is what? So, again, if the enemy can take hold of you, he controls your life. But if you allow the word of God to transform you, then you can take back control of your life. Amen? So that's what he says there. He says, be careful how you think. And so what does the helmet do? What is it, what's it meant for? To protect your thoughts, your mind, from the enemy's onslaughts. Okay. Number two, if you're taking notes. The helmet of salvation keeps you from believing lies. Right? So it's protecting your, your mind. Now, if you think about in terms of... Uh, Lies, And you maybe ask the question, what lies? Now, the lies I'm going to talk about, it's not an exhaustive list, obviously. We don't have enough time to talk about all the lies that the enemy would throw at you. But I want to deal with some I think are very prominent, especially where we are in our society today. So can I, can I make this statement to you? I got this from another pastor. It says, a lie believed as true will impact you as if it were true. Can I say that one more time? A lie believed as true will impact you as if it were true. In other words, if you buy into a lie, you're going to start behaving in suit. Amen? And so what we're going to do is we want to combat that with the sword, right? The word of God. And understand that the truth is the only remedy for undoing a lie or believing a lie. Amen? So how does it keep us from believing? Well, we believe the truth of God's Word. We believe what the Word of God says. So let's talk about lie number one. Here's lie number one. Things are hopeless. The enemy would tell you the lie that things are hopeless, especially over the last 16 or 17 months. Would you agree? I mean, we've seen it. We've seen loss of, of family members. We've seen loss of jobs. We've seen economy. We've seen all kinds of stuff our world seems to be in turmoil. Is that, would you agree? And if you look at it in the, under the wrong lens or the wrong perspective, you could lose hope. And that's it's what's happened, folks. There are a lot of people who have got their eyes on what's happening in our culture today, and they've lost hope. That's why suicide's on the rise. I'm talk, Listen to me, folks. People who feel the same uh, role that I do, Taking their own lives. And you're like, folks, man, if there's no hope for the pastor, there's no hope for him. Hope for me. Can I offer you hope this morning? There's hope today. And so when you look in the wrong, through the wrong lens or you're looking through the eyes of deception, there's hopelessness. And you want to give up. What happens when, you, when you're hopeless? You give up. We've seen some people give up. But can I tell you, I need to take out my sword, and I, I need to be reminded of what God's Word says. Because when you have the helmet of salvation, you under, You got to understand this. When you possess salvation through, through grace, through faith, right? By believing in Christ's finished work on the cross, you possess salvation. It's yours. Amen. You're walking in that. And so what happens is there's a confidence. There's an assurance that comes to knowing that you're a son or a daughter of God. And so when I walk in that, I possess that, then I also understand there's this hope of salvation. The word hope's key, right? And so our possession, remember, our assurance of salvation determines the amount of hope. Does that make sense? Your understanding of the possession of your salvation determines the amount of hope. Watch what Paul says in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. In other words, in our right mind. Yeah. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and what? Hope of salvation as a helmet. You notice the key here is hope of salvation. Because the, the truth is, the moment you accept Christ and you're walking in a relationship with him, that's not the end, right? That's just, this, just the beginning. And the, the verb there, the, the idea of salvation, really means it's an ongoing process. We're being saved. So as we increase in our, our understanding of God's word, in prayer, in relationship with Christ, as we grow in our relationship with Christ... The hope of salvation continues to grow in us. Does that make sense? So therefore, hopelessness has to go. Notice what we're doing when we put on the helmet of salvation. Why is it so powerful to put on hope as a helmet? Because when we don't have to wonder about who we are in Christ, We don't have to wonder whether Christ is for us or not. Boy, there's something happens, right? There's assurance. There's confidence. And it's not hopelessness. Amen? Watch what God's Word says. Paul says in Romans 5. Watch this. He talks about hope. And this hope will not, what? Lead to disappointment. The hope in Christ doesn't lead to disappointment. Amen? Amen? Now, remember, we're using God's word as a sword to be reminded to, to actually fight this deception that the enemy's throwing at our mind. Amen? And so we're wielding that sword. Hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. How do we know that? Three nails. Three nails, right? He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died. That's how we know he loves us, right? And it says, because he has given us the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit reminds you of who you are in Christ. And what does he do? He fills you with love. Now listen, I love, you know, this is probably not totally accurate to to this passage. But listen, I believe he baptizes you in love. What does he do? He fully immerses you in his love. Amen? How many of you want to be fully immersed in the love of God? I do. Come on, bring it on, God. Amen? Holy Spirit, pour it on where it's just overflowing. Amen? So he says that this hope doesn't lead to disappointment. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who brings about this confidence. Because here's what hope is. It's a confident expectation of good. When you hope for something, you're hoping that it turns out right. Amen? That it's, there's good to it. And so that's exactly what we're doing. We have this hope in Christ that doesn't disappoint us. And here's the reason because we believe lie number two sometimes. Here's lie number two we believe because the enemy tries to tell us that God is not good. Is that not a lie? When you look around the circumstances, when you see the things that are happening in your life right now, the turmoil, it's easy for us to say, "You know what? Maybe God's not so good after all. And you know what the enemy's going to do? You know what, You're right. Just watch. Just look at what, look at what's happening. There's no way a good God could let all this happen. Anybody ever heard that, or maybe you've asked that question. But again, that's, what is that? It's a lie of the enemy. It's deception. So how do you combat deception? You take out your sword, right? You got to take out the word of God as an as a weapon against this idea that God is not good. And we understand what James 1:17 says. Watch what he says. That whatever is Say it aloud. good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from from who? Good gifts aren't coming from the enemy. Where are they coming from? From God. Who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So we can draw from that passage, that word there, that God is good. And that he only has good for us. Now I didn't say everything that happens to you is good, right? What's the outcome? The outcome, the desire, the product is always God wants good for you. How many of you believe that? Here's another passage that, that combats that. We, you're probably familiar with this one, Romans 8:28. "And we know that God causes, how much? Some things, everything to work together for good to those who love God and are what? called according to His purpose for them. Can I mention to you today that you're created on purpose, for purpose? That God has you right where you are today. He's ordering your footsteps. Why? Because he's got only good for you. Now, that's a big deal. Because some of you, maybe the the enemy's told you, well, I have no purpose in life. I'm not really doing anything. You know what? That's a lie from the enemy. God has created you on purpose for purpose. Read that passage and claim it as your own. Amen. And so he says that goodness is attached to your purpose. The world tells me that. Excuse me. The word tells me God wants good for me. Why? Because He's good. And it's not. Hear your pastor. God's goodness is not based on your circumstances. Amen. It's based on His character, as good. Line number three. I'm worthless. The enemy would try to make you believe that you're worthless, that you have no value, that you are worth less than someone else. And here's, here's what that's rooted in. It's rooted in comparison. Has anybody ever compared yourself to anybody else? Everybody take out. Everybody, how many of you have your smartphone? Lift it up. Everybody lift it up. How many of you have an Instagram, Facebook? How many of you on any certain day would go flipping through, Oh, look at that. Look at how that girl's dressed. I wish I had that dress. Well, look how beautiful her family is. They all look so perfect. Their kids are behaving. You know, you're looking at it while your kid's over there in the, in, the, in the corner screaming, right? Got spaghetti all over their face, you know? pile of uh, clothes in the, in the corner need to be washed, you know, or, or dishes in the sink. Y'all with me? And then we look at their picture and everything looks perfect. What's the problem with that? They're going to only show you their best self. They're not going to show you that they have a pile of clothes as well. That they have dishes as well. That their kids running around screaming with spaghetti on their face. So the danger is, looking at this unrealistically, again, who's, who's, who's behind that? The enemy's behind that. He doesn't want you seeing a realistic picture of who you are, and so you're, what's, your, what's your outcome? Well, I'm just not worth very much, simply because you've bought into a lie. What's our, what's our weapon? Help me here. You got to get this, right? Every, every lie, there's, there's, a, there's a word for it, right? Word, God's word has an answer for every lie that the enemy's going to tell you. And so you're going to take out that sword. And you're going to read this. Watch this, Romans 12, 6. What does it say? They'll put it there. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all of these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we are made to be. What were you made to be? son or a daughter of God right? created in his image but notice what he says here without enviously or pridefully doing what comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't look folks you don't have the same gifts as I do I don't have the same gifts as you do but God created you uniquely with the ones that you have and what he's, all he expects from you is to use those to the full he's not expecting you to be me and he's not expecting me, and me to be you He's expecting you to live in the purpose that he's created you for. But the lie is, if he, if he can convince you that you're not worth anything, you know what he's going to do? He's going to paralyze you. You're not going to do anything. And guess what? He's won because here's the other thing. Your purpose is connected to God's kingdom. I'm preaching better than you're a And God's... God's... God's purpose for you is connected to his kingdom and the growth of it. Amen? And so here's the reality, folks. Here's the reality. If I can can combat this lie that I'm worthless and I understand that I'm a son or a daughter of God created in his image, loved by him, enough for him to go to the cross for me, I change my perspective. And all I've done is believe what God's word said. So here's what God's word says. You want some of it? Ephesians 1.6. Watch this. to to the praise of the glory of his grace. Can you notice what Paul's doing? He's turning your attention to what? To him, his, his grace. And what are we doing? We're praising. Thank you, Lord. Has anybody ever just stopped and thanked God for his grace? Have you done that lately? Maybe we can do it right now. Just take a second right now. Lord, thank you for your grace. Amen. And then what he says, by which he has made us Do you love this? Say it. Accepted in the beloved. Does that sound like somebody that's not worth anything? Does that sound like God wants to devalue you? Not at all. I got another one for you. Ready? What are we doing? Everybody do this. What are you doing? What are you doing? You got your sword. You're wielding that sword. The enemy's coming at you. He's coming in like a flood. What do you do? You use the word of God to combat that that lie. So watch this. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. I love this. I love the emphasis that John puts on this. See how, eh, maybe a little bit. How much does he love you? For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. I love that emphasis. Uh, hey, you're his child. Uh, did I mention that you're his child? But the people who belong to this world don't recognize him. Okay, so there's a distinction, right? Those who have accepted Christ understand who they are in Christ. They understand their love by God, that they're a son or a daughter of God. Those who have not yet, they don't understand this yet. But yet, yet, right? Yet. The yet part is us sharing, amen? But you understand, there's one translation that says how much he lavishes his love on us. I love that word lavish, because when you lavish on something, boy, it's like you're going all out, right? We're all in, amen? That's how God is with you. He's all in with you. He proved it at the cross. He said, I'm all in to the relationship. I'll give my very life to prove to you how valuable you really are. Can I, do I, have, I have a confession to make? I mentioned earlier about comparison. And I'm guilty. That same Instagram that I talked to you about a few minutes ago. I do that all the time. So I'm, I'm looking at other churches, right? Seeing their, their pictures from their services, you know. And how it appears, how successful they are. And... Sometimes I feel like that I'm failing as a pastor because I'm not measuring up to that success. I'm just being honest with you today, folks. And then I'm reminded that my purpose, how successful I am, is not, you know, what, what I do or don't do doesn't determine my worth or value. No, I, I'm His. I'm a, I'm a, listen, folks, I'm a son of God before I'm a pastor. I'm a child of God before I'm a pastor. And so if I can come to terms with this idea that doesn't—you know, my worth or value is not wrapped up in how many people show up on a Sunday or watching online. No. But, but my worth and value is determined by how much God loves me and how close I am to him. Amen. Amen. So, folks, if you're struggling with that, just remember God loves you. cares about you. It doesn't matter what's happening. He still does. You're his. You belong to him. Lie number four. If I feel something, it must be true. Folks, way too often we make decisions based on how we feel. What's wrong with that? Emotions are God given, would you agree? They're real, but they can't always be trusted. Is anybody else's emotions like a roller coaster? Anybody ever rode the, the scream machine at Six Flags? <laughs> up, down, up, down. I mean, like, okay, so if you've ever ridden the scream machine lately, you know that it's like an exercise in, I'm, he- I'm headed to the chiropractor right after. I'm telling you, last time I rode that, I'm like, I am not getting on this again, because I think I shrunk about five inches because my, my spine got decompressed. But you understand that, that emotions are like that roller coaster, and they can't be trusted. But here's what, here's what the world will tell you. Well, just follow your heart. Remember, the heart's the seat of your emotions, right? And you know, follow your heart. You, you ever hear that? You know, some of you Hallmark people. Oh, I just oh just follow my heart. Yes, I'm gonna chase him to the no what's wrong with that? It's dangerous. As a matter of fact, what are we doing? Take it out. What does God's word say? Proverbs 28:26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. You can't trust your heart, amen. Jeremiah 17:9. The human heart is what? The most deceitful of all things. So when, when somebody tells you to follow their heart, they're telling you to follow the most deceitful part of you. The part that's going to lead you astray. So guess what? What's the enemy going to do? Follow your heart. Why? Because he's the author of deception. So... You can't follow your heart. You can't trust your emotions, especially in decisions. So where do you turn? God's Word. God's Word has every bit of wisdom that you need for every decision that you're going to make. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, in Christ are found all Treasures, notice that it's treasures, right, of wisdom and knowledge. So if you've got a decision to make, don't follow your heart, follow this book. Amen. So four lies, what are they? Things are hopeless. God's not good. I'm worthless. Follow my heart. So I want to give you some, as we're closing this, I want to ask you, what's your response today? What's your response to this message? Now, I told you earlier that I, I read out of the, the NIV for a reason. Because when it, when it goes to verse 17, it says, in the NIV, it says, take the helmet, right? So I stole this, right? I'm a thief. I confess I'm a thief, okay? I got this acronym or this acrostic from another pastor. So, hey, everything's not a There's nothing new under the sun. Hey, would you agree? So I just want to be honest with you. I, I didn't come up with this, but it's good. That's Why I chose to use it. So the word take, okay? T A. How many, how many good spellers are there? Take, T E A K. I don't know. T A K E, T-A-K-E, take. So let's use this as an opportunity to help you with your response. Number one, the word, the letter T. Take captive wrong thoughts. So let me say it again. The word, letter T. Take captive wrong thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Why are we not waging the way the world does? Because remember, we've been reminded that we're in a spiritual war, right? You can't use physical weapons to fight a spiritual battle. So what's this? So here's your weapons. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to do what? To chip away at strongholds? Oh, let me go get my chisel. Oh, that stronghold's coming down in the name of Jesus. What is it? No. We're talking about a battering ram. We're talking about a cannon. We're talking about some heavy hitters, amen? (laughs) Because it says demolish. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, everybody say take captive. Take captive. Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So there's a responsibility on your end in this, right? You can't just let your mind all wander all loosey-goosey, right? No, what does it say? Take captive some thoughts. No, every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's your responsibility, amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's your responsibility. Take captive. Why are we taking these things captive? Because they're destructive thoughts. That if we allow them to to gain a foothold, remember, what did he say? Demolishing strongholds. What's the enemy's goal for you? To build strongholds in your mind, in your thinking. And so so you don't let let him, you don't give him room, listen to me, you don't give him room to build a stronghold. Because strongholds, listen folks, strongholds don't happen overnight. So what's happened is, you've believed a lie today, and the next day, and the next day, and pretty soon, after a period of time, it's a stronghold. But if you'll take captive every thought, what happens? You keep the stronghold from being built in the first place. Y'all follow me? That's a preventive measure. If you already have them, you already have the other weapons. You have God's word, you have prayer, to demolish the ones that are already there. Amen. So you've you've got it covered. But once those are demolished, what's your your next step? Well, take captive every thought. And it keeps new ones from being formed. Y'all follow me there? God's Word's very practical, folks. How do you keep from a stronghold from forming in your life? Help me. Take captive, say it with me, take captive every thought. You, You with me? This is how you keep them from forming. A preventive measure, hey, you've heard that, that saying, right? Uh, what is an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. This is, this is true in that case because it's really simple, folks. Every day when you wake up, when you pray, and you read God's word, okay, I'm taking captive every thought today, and in every moment from then on, you, you notice you recognize those thoughts. Oh, I'm not believing that one, that's a lie. Oh, I know God's word, that's not, yeah, I'm not worthless. Number two. Access the truth. Access the truth. What's the truth? Everybody, do it again, because y'all going. I'm going to help y'all remember this. The word of God is truth, right? It's your sword, so you can you have access to it every day. Amen. Listen, I know. I know. We've already talked about it. Some of you guys, boy, you're mm. You're scrolling through Facebook. Guess what? What if you turn scrolling into Facebook to, oh, let me go to the YouVersion Bible app. Come on, somebody. Begin to take in God's word. Access the truth. It's there. Some of you like printed Bibles. That's great. Carry it around with you. I don't care. Either way, you're accessing the truth. Romans 12, 2 here's the outcome of assessing the truth. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but do what? Who's going to do the changing? God transform you into a... That's what salvation does, does it not? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. By changing the way you, say it loud, think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good... And pleasing and perfect. So, let me ask you a question. How many know God's will is pleasing? How many know it's perfect? Why would you not want to buy into that? Amen. His will for you is good and pleasing and perfect. Follow His word, follow Him. You're walking in His will. I got to hurry. K, keep going. Don't give up. Keep going until you get there. So this, this talks about perseverance, right? Of not giving up. You know, when things look bad, when the circumstances are, are falling apart, when you get that bad uh, news from the doctor, or you, or you hear, you know, your bank account's going close to empty, and you're like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. No, don't give up. Don't let hopelessness creep in. Remember what God's Word says, and don't give up. Galatians 6. Come on, pull it out. Come on. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing good. Amen? At just the right time. Everybody say the right time. How many of you know God's all about timing? At the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't... I heard another pastor say this. If we don't give up, we win. Amen? I mean, let's, let's just think about it. Let's say your life stinks for... The whole time that you're alive, and it, it won't because you're in Christ, right? Let's say that. Let's just that. If nothing else, the moment you pass, you're in the presence of Jesus. Well worth anything you faced here. Amen? Okay. Enlist others to help. This is E. Remember, the enemy is good and deception. And we tend to... To believe lies, we, we also tend to have blind spots, and God has done this on purpose. He has given us people that can come into our lives and say, "Hey, hey, Lance, you know I noticed this about you. I think it's a blind spot." So you have to enlist. That's what the body of Christ is about, amen. That's what grow church is about. You can't do this alone. You cannot do this alone. Can I tell you? You cannot do this alone. You need the body of Christ. You need Christ's church. You need Grow Church. So we enlist, we ask, we're willing to ask people for help because, again, if we're trying to follow, if we're deceived, there's a way. Watch this, watch what Proverbs says here. If we're deceived, this is what we're going to believe. There's a way that appears. <laughs> Right? It seems to be right. Oh, I'll follow that. But what's the outcome? Destruction. Death. So if I'm if I'm deceived, I'm believing, oh, this seems to be the right decision to make. It seems like it. And then I walk off and I'm walking off and I'm walking off. Oh, oh. What would y'all have done if I'd have walked off there? <laughs> Thank you, CJ. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who cares if his leg is doing this? It was funny, you know. Anyway, Uh, no, we need each other's help. Uh, You know, folks, I wanna, I wanna pastor you. I do. That's my heart, but I can't just pastor you from this platform. We're gonna listen. uh, uh, This is my part. I'm gonna study. I'm gonna prepare to teach you God's word, and when you come in, I hope you're soaking it in and leaning into it and applying it. That's great. That's not all there's, there is. We have what we call the growth track, which is, a, 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 we help you discover your God-given purpose and for you to walk in that. Some of you have never done the growth track, why? This is something we've intentionally said, we want to help you, to, to remind you that you're created on purpose, for purpose, and here's what's happened, you have missing out. This is not a guilt trip. I just want to present to you what's real, right? Number two, get into a group. This is where life is done. This is where accountability happens. This is where you can have a group of trusted people that you can lean on, who can talk to you about your blind spots and help you overcome the things that you've been, the strongholds that are in your life. Everything that we do here at Grow Church is intentional because we believe it. We don't just say it. We believe that Christ's vision for your life is the full life in him. And so we're going to give you. We're going to put everything in your hands. We're going to create every opportunity for you to to grow to full life in Christ. But we can't do it for you. Listen, I can't live out your purpose for you. That's up to you. I can't even use your gifts for you. I'm using mine. Really, Pastor? Pastor? Get involved. Ask yourself the question, where can I serve? Where can my God-given gifts be utilized to the full? How can I nourish myself and then help nourish the body? How can, I be, ma- how can I make a difference? How can I love God and love people? How can I teach others to grow in God's character? How can I serve others? How can I reach our community by sharing Christ's message? That's the question. Because when you enlist others, when you enlist the help of the church, it sets you on a trajectory. Of full life because remember you're in a war a spiritual war that can only be fought with spiritual weapons and they're mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds so everything that we've talked about the last five weeks is equipping you to live your life to the full and win this war amen would you stand Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.